for most of us, the concept of a shepherd is quite foreign. So if you live in a city, especially if you live in the West, you would uh, never have come into contact with many shepherds or perhaps think that shepherds are an unnecessary addition to society. But if you live in the East or if you live in a more rural area, you become you, you would have seen shepherds and you would have seen them functioning. Perhaps even you would have might have been a shepherd when you're a bit younger. See, if you drive into rural areas, you will see shepherds uh, with cows, with sheep, with uh, goats, with any sort of grazing animals, and uh, you will see shepherds taking care of the sheep and taking care of the grazing, taking care of the animals. And the shepherd's role is to protect the sheep from uh, predators, from thieves, from the N2, from the freeway. Um, it's there to uh, lead the sheep home, to, to lead the, the animals home, uh, because grazing animals are not like homing pigeons. They don't just uh, find their way home. They go wherever there's food to graze, and uh, they wander off and wander off and wander off, and before they, they put their heads up and they realize, oh, I don't know where home is from here. So shepherds lead them home. And then shepherds lead them to where the grazing is best, where the food is best. That's a shepherd's role. And uh, the first testament in the Bible is given to the people of Israel before they even become a nation. And they, as a people, were shepherds. And so God comes to these people and he says to them, I will be your shepherd. You will be my people. You will be my sheep. And I will be your shepherd. And so for much of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the First Testament, uh, this metaphor of a shepherd is used. And then when Jesus comes in, in John chapter 10, he says, uh, I am the good shepherd. He says, I know my sheep by name and my sheep know my voice. And we'll get into this scripture a bit later. But the point is that uh, this metaphor, this picture of a shepherd and the sheep following a shepherd is used throughout much of Scripture, throughout the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And today we look at sheep as being a bad thing. We call people that just follow the crowd without thinking uh, sheeple. And because we like to think of ourselves as people who don't follow the crowd, we think that everybody who follows the crowd blindly are sheep. And uh, because I don't follow the crowd, we all like to think that we don't follow the crowd. We think of ourselves as not being sheep. And so we say to ourselves, uh, those people are sheep. I'm not a sheep. Uh, I am a son. God, God is my father and, and therefore I am his son. And uh, th that's all good and well, friends. It's, it's true. I'm a son and I relate to God as my father. That's how I relate to him. But I also have to follow Jesus as a sheep follows a shepherd. Because just because I'm a son doesn't mean that I'm not a sheep. I have to be both. You see, Jesus' is an invitation to me is come and uh, be with me. Come and be with me. Come and have a relationship with me, a holy God. But then also come and follow me. Come and do the things that I did. Come and live how I lived. We spoke throughout much of last year around the three goals of following Jesus. And we said they are to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do the things that Jesus did. And the sad story is that for many Christians... That they are content to simply be with Jesus. We don't want to just be with Jesus. We also want to become like Jesus. We also want to do the things that Jesus did. And in order for, in order for us to become like Jesus and do the things that he did, we have to live how he lived. And how he lived was as a sheep following a shepherd. He, he related to God as his father, but then he followed God as a sheep, follows a shepherd. See, to view myself as a sheep is a view that keeps me humble and secure. It keeps me secure because when I mess up, when I get things wrong, when I trip and fall over, I'm still secure in the shepherd's love for me because I'm just a sheep learning to follow the shepherd. I'm learning to hear his voice. I'm learning to understand what he wants and I'm learning to follow wherever he leads me. And it keeps me, it keeps me humble because when I do well, when I, when, I, when I prize at something, I might be a prize winner, but I'm still just a prize winning sheep. 
And it's often the prize-winning sheep that gets eaten first, right? But that's a talk for another day. And so viewing myself and constantly reminding myself that I'm a sheep is a view of myself that keeps me humble and it keeps me secure. I don't think too little of myself, but I also don't think too much of myself. When I succeed, I'm a son learning to follow a shepherd. When I fail, I'm a son learning to follow a shepherd. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, we read the story of King David, a man who was a shepherd who then became king, but he never stopped being a shepherd. And later in his life, God calls him a man after his own heart. He's a shepherd, a man after my own heart, God says. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, we find David looking for a son, uh, looking for a descendant of Saul. Saul was a king of Israel before David, and Saul and David had a very contentious relationship. Saul tried to kill David. He pursued him for many years and chased him into the wilderness. He wanted to kill him. And so Saul and David had this tension. And uh, after Saul has passed on, David is king. And now uh, we find David saying to his servants, Is there any descendants of Saul left that I can bless? We find the heart of a shepherd looking to bless even those that, that, that disagreed with him, that pursued him, that tried to kill him. And so his servants come to him and say, There is one descendant of Saul left, a son of Jonathan by the name of Mephibosheth. David says to his servants, Where is this man? And they say he's living in a town called Lodabar. So David says, bring him to me. And what David does is that he, he restores everything that Saul had. So everything that Saul the king had, all of his land, all of his possessions, he restores to his grandson Mephibosheth. And then David says to him, all the days of your life, you will eat at my table, at the king's table. You will sit with me and you'll eat with me. The heart of a shepherd restoring everything that was lost. The town that this man was living, was living in is, is called Lodabar. And the word Lodabar means, literally means without pasture, without a shepherd. And so we see a shepherd solving the problem of no pasture by saying, come and eat at my table. Come and eat with me. Come and sit at my table. You see, friends, the remedy to the problem of no pasture is, to, is first solving the problem of no shepherd. We can't solve the problem of no pasture without solving the problem of no shepherd. We can't solve the problem of, of the health of our diet, what we're eating, what we're feeding ourselves. We can't solve that if we don't solve, first solve the problem of no shepherd. David says, come and sit at my table. And then everything from there, you will eat with me and I will restore to you everything that was lost from your grandfather. Remember, we said that it's possible for us to be sons and daughters of God, but still for us not to follow him as a shepherd. So I have to relate to God as my father, but then I still have to follow him as a sheep follows a shepherd. It's not, a, it's not good enough for me to just be with Jesus. I have to become like him. I have to do the things that Jesus did. You might not be convinced, but let's talk about Judas. You know Judas, the man who's famous for betraying Jesus. So Judas was a disciple who was with Jesus. He was with Jesus for three years. He spent three years with Jesus, but Judas never became like Jesus. Judas never did the things that Jesus did. In other words, Judas never had a shepherd. Now, I'm not saying if you don't follow Jesus as a shepherd that you will end up betraying him. But I think the scripture could say that. The scriptures seem to say that, friends. We cannot be content just to be with God. We must become like Jesus. It's not good enough to say I'm a Christian. We have to follow Jesus. We have to do all three. We have to be with Jesus. And become like him and do the things that he did. And the only way for us to do that is to follow him as a sheep follows a shepherd. I know that for many people the concept of being a sheep, it might not sound very enticing and it might not sound very attractive. But I hope to convince you that of the benefits of being a sheep, of viewing ourselves as a sheep following a shepherd. 
Remember that we said to view ourselves as a sheep is a view that keeps me humble and secure, not thinking of myself too little or too much because a good shepherd still lays his life down for me. And so I'm going to go through Psalm 23, a psalm that's written by David, a shepherd who became a king, but never stopped being a shepherd. Now, I want to look at some of the benefits uh, that sheep have of following a shepherd. Perhaps some of the things that we should be having in our lives and uh, look at how they should apply to us in 2021 and perhaps how some of those things, if they're not in our lives, how we can put them in place and how we can remedy the situation. So Psalm 23, it says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so I want to pick a couple of things out of this psalm, how they apply to our lives in 2021, and we go from there. Right. Number one, when I follow the shepherd, firstly, number one, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. When I follow the shepherd as a sheep, I lack nothing. There was a study done a couple of years ago around wealth and poverty and contentment in South Africa. And what the study found is that when they interviewed uh, brown people and peach people in the same income brackets, the brown people were far more content than the peach people. And what the study concluded was that uh, we tend to view our view of wealth and contentment is, is influenced by the people around us. And so if the people that we live with, if the people that we spend all our time with and we, and, and we are around constantly have more than us, we tend to view ourselves as poor. But if the people that we are spend all of our time with that we are around uh, have less than us, we tend to view ourselves, although we're earning exactly the same, we tend to view ourselves as wealthy. Friends, this has massive ramifications for our, uh, for our state of well-being, for our sense of well-being. One of them keeps us, keeps us caught in a cycle of discontentment and lack, and the other caught in a, secu- in, in a cycle of security and contentment. Remember, to be content doesn't mean that I don't want more. To be content simply means that if I have no more than I have today, then I'll have enough. So David says that when I follow God as a shepherd, I lack nothing. Nothing. You see, because when I follow God as my shepherd, my needs change. I no longer need to prove myself. I no longer need to protect myself or find good pasture for myself or find my way home. The shepherd does that for me. Everything that I have, everything that I need is found through following. This is not some super spiritual, magical, mystical Christian saying, Jesus is everything I need. Yes, Jesus is everything you need, but you also need food and you also need clothing and you also need shelter and you need transport, right? This, this is not what the scripture is saying. What the scripture is saying is that through following Jesus, I lack nothing. Because when I follow Jesus, then I'm led to a place where I get food, where I get clothing, where I get shelter. When I follow Jesus, I lack nothing. See, when I follow Jesus, I lack no good thing because I keep reminding myself that I'm a sheep, not a king. Because kings don't follow shepherds. Kings live in a constant mindset of lack. Kings are constantly not content. They always want more land, more wealth, more subjects, more concubines. That's what kings constantly want, right? Because they think they deserve more. Sheep, on the other hand, are constantly content because their needs change. As I begin to view myself, not as a king, but as a sheep, I'm content 
because I, I, I lack nothing because what I need changes. I'm no, I no longer see myself as a king. I see myself as a sheep. When I follow Jesus, I lack no good thing. Here's your takeaway. My lack of contentment is a product of how I see myself, not of how God sees me. My lack of contentment is a byproduct of how I see myself, not of how God sees me. Perhaps, friends, perhaps your lack of contentment could be because you're seeing yourself as a king, not as a sheep. When I follow God as a shepherd, I lack no good thing. Number two, when I follow the shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This sentence is this sentence on its own is an entire sermon, perhaps even a series of sermons on following Jesus. There's so much here to unpack. But the Hebrew word that is used is the word yabaseni, and it's a verb, which is a doing word. Uh, it means this, to cause to lie down, to make to rest. It says, uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He causes me to lie down. He makes me rest in green pastures. <clears throat> we used to have a Jack Russell, and his name was Russell. That's got nothing to do with the story. I just thought it was a cool name. And uh, Russell was an awesome little dog. But when it came to loud noises, he was absolutely useless. So if there was thunder rumbling in the distance, uh, firecrackers, uh, Diwali and Guy Fox was an absolute nightmare. Even the neighbor's door slamming once or twice too loudly. And uh, this little dog was just, it was useless. And at the first sound of, of thunder or fireworks, if we didn't get him inside, he would literally run himself into a panic and, and then run away. And I, I never understood it. I, I used to look at him and think, why are you running away from everything that you know is safe and secure? Uh, you're running away from us into an area where you are not any further from the sound, but you are actually just in more danger, you're more stressed, you're more anxious, and you're actually lost and in danger. I never understood it. It didn't make sense to me. See, the thing is, in those situations, Russell didn't know what he needed. All he knew was that something was wrong. Uh, something was causing him to feel afraid and, and whatever other emotions a small dog feels in those situations. What Russell needed in that situation was for me to yabaseni him. He needed me to cause him to lie down. He needed me to make him to rest. I need to say, come Russell, come Russell, come and sit. Not on my lap, because I don't want you on my lap. You can sit on one of the kids' laps, perhaps my wife's lap. Come and, come and lie down, come and rest. He thought that if he could run faster, if he could run further, he could escape his fear. He could escape his anxiety and it's whatever this panic was that was rising up inside of him. He thought, if I can just run faster, if I can just run further, I will feel better. I will get away from it. Without realizing it, it actually left him worse off. You see, friends, he was with us, but he never followed us. Friends, you and I can be with Jesus, but if we never follow him, if we never allow him to be our shepherd, he will never yabaseni us. He will never cause us to lie down and to rest. Sometimes when you follow Jesus, there's things that cause us a confusion and fear and anxiety. But when, and we need our shepherd to cause us to lie down, to rest. I think a sign that you're following Jesus is that he causes you to lie down and rest. I say this with the greatest of love. Not lying down and resting, I, I think is not only not wise, I think it's a sign that we're not following a shepherd. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, follow me. And I will give you rest. It's his promise. Come to me and I will give you rest. 
This is not something that God forces on us. It happens to us simply by following Him. As we follow Him, He causes us to want to lie down, to want to rest. Because as we follow Him, we want to become like Him. And we want to do the things that He did. When God creates in the book of Genesis, He creates limits and boundaries. Everything that He creates has limits and boundaries. And He says to the sea, uh, you, you go here and you stop here and the land will start here. That's your limit, that's your boundary. You start here and the, start, the sun, you will, you will rise here and you will set there. There's a limit and there's a boundary. And He says to Adam, Adam, everywhere the light falls is your kingdom, except the dark area there where the hyenas are. He says, everything in this garden is good for you, uh, but don't eat from the garden of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, everything that God creates has limits and it has boundaries. And you know what we call limits and boundaries? Margin. Having limits and boundaries is margin. Having margin in my life is a sign that I'm following the shepherd's created order. That of limits and boundaries. And as humans, we're obsessed with progress. And why wouldn't we be? Progress is amazing. Progress has enabled us to do so much. We can wake up if we wanted to on a different continent every day of the week if we wanted to. I hold in my hand more computing power than what took Neil Armstrong to the moon. There's electronic banking. There's modern medicine. Modern medicine. There's video conferencing. There's social media. There's robotics. There's... Uh, is if Elon Musk has his way, we'll be living on Mars in the next two to three decades. Progress is amazing. But let me ask us this. For all of the progress that we have done over the last 80 to 100 years, for all of that progress, how come, how come we are more stressed, more anxious, more depressed, less content, more distracted, and more angry than we are at any time in history? You've got far more progress than your, grand, your grandparents, your great-grandparents had. Far more progress. How come they were less stressed, less anxious, more content, less angry, they were less distracted than us with all of our progress? How come? I think, friends, it's because so many of us don't have the margin to lie down. And I'm, and I'm afraid to say that we don't have the margin to lie down because sometimes, because we aren't following the shepherd. We be, so we've become content to be with Jesus, to live with Jesus but we've also become content to live with our anxiety and with our fears and with our discontentment and our distraction and our anxieties. We've never allowed the shepherd to yabaseni us, to make us to lie down. And we never allow him to make us lie down. And so we become like Russell, the Jack Russell, thinking that if we run faster and we run further, we can run away from our anxieties. We can run away from our fears. We can run away from our distractments and our distraction and our discontentments and not realizing it actually just puts us further away from the place of safety and into more danger. Friends, God creates limits and boundaries and he creates margin so that when we follow him, we have the space to lie down. I'm not, I'm not anti-progress. I'm absolutely for it. We should progress. We should work hard. We should do all of those things. I'm for it 100%, but I'm not for progress at the expense of margin. Progress at the expense of margin is not healthy. It's not good. The sad story is that for many of us, progress has come at the expense of our margin and it's come at the expense of our limits and boundaries. And not only do I think this unwise, but I think that it's an opposition to God's created order. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 10. Verse 1, he says, Very truly I say to you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his sheep out by name and leads them out. And then in verse 9, he says, I am the gate. 
Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes. Remember the one who came over the fence. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I think one of the reasons that so many of us don't lie down in green pastures is that we lack margin is because we've given our ear to people, to systems, to processes that have not entered through the gate. It says anybody that doesn't enter through the gate is a thief. A thief jumps over the fence and the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you come through the gate, then you've come through the shepherd. He says, I'm the shepherd, I'm the gate, you'll come through me. And so many of us have given ourselves, we've given our ear to systems, to processes, to people. Things that drive us have not come through the gate. They've jumped over the fence. Perhaps they're even outside the fence, but they have our ear. And so we, we, we base our lives around those things, but they haven't come through the gate, friends. They're not, they're, they are not the shepherd's voice. It's the thief. The thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Green pasture, friends, is neither overloaded nor undisciplined. Green pasture is full of margin and it's full of water. Some people don't, uh, don't have green pasture. Some people don't have margin because they're undisciplined. right? Part of God's created order is hard work. It's hard work. We should work hard. It's part of God's order. And so sometimes we don't work hard. When we don't work hard because we're undisciplined, we don't have margin to lie down. But the remedy to that is discipline, right? Green pasture, it's not overloaded and it's not undisciplined. But it's full of margin and it's full of order. Too many of us never lie down because we are content simply just to be with Jesus and not follow him as a shepherd. Here's your takeaway. To what you ask yourself, have all the voices driving your process come through the gate? All the voices that what you, what you construct your life around, your, your relationships, your family, your business, um, your, your finances, your time, your resources, all the processes and the systems that govern that, have those voices come through the gate? Are they shouting from outside the fence? Have they jumped over the fence and then are living with you? If they haven't come through the gate, friends, it's going to come at the expense of of your progress is going to come at the expense of margin. The progress is not going to increase your margin. Number three and lastly, when I follow the shepherd, he leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. I try and make it a habit to get into the wilderness at least once a year and to get away from most people, not because I want to be away from them, but because when I'm with them, I want to be good for them. That's why I do it. And uh, part of this is uh, sleeping on the floor, surrounded by wild animals. And part of it is crossing rivers. One thing that you learn about crossing rivers is that still waters are often the most dangerous. You see, still waters are usually the deepest. And so where you don't want to be with dry clothes and a sleeping bag and a backpack is in deep waters, right? You want to be in shallow waters. And also because in deep waters is where crocodiles lurk. Dangers, unseen, hidden things, dangers lurk in deep, quiet, still waters, right? So you want to cross at uh, shallow points. Yeah, it might be a bit more turbulence, but you can see the rocks. You can see the dangers that are ahead of you. Shallow water flows fastly, but you know that there's not something hidden there. You can see the dangers. If you go and watch videos of wildebeest crossing the Morrow River during their migration, they don't cross in the still quiet sections. Every time a coconut, they cross in the turbulent, uh, muddy waters, right? Where, where there's rocks and they can see the crocodiles, but that's where they cross because it's, it's safer, actually. Still waters are usually what we have to avoid. But if I follow Jesus, I get to have still waters and safety. See, because it's the still waters that's the best drinking water. The still waters is the quiet, pure, sweet waters that restores and refreshes my soul. 
See, because in the still waters, the sediment separates, right? The, 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 the dirt and the scum, uh, it drops down. It's, it separates from the water and, and I can move, I can move whatever's on the surface around it because I can see it and then I can drink pure, fresh water that restores me. If I drink only from the turbulent section, all of that dirt and impurities is mixed in with the water. See, when I'm by myself, I have to drink from that section because that's the safe section. When I'm led by a shepherd, I can drink from the still, quiet waters. Remember, see, if, I, if I follow Jesus, I get to have still waters and safety and security. When I'm by myself, I have no choice. I have to drink from this, the, the, the muddy section. To restore something is to put something back to how it originally was. It says, when I drink this pure uh, still water, it restores my soul. And to restore something is to put it back to how it was originally created, right? So let's say I've got five fingers. Uh, let's say I lose one of them in, a, uh, in an unfortunate tree climbing accident, leaving me with four fingers when I'm three years old. Then when I'm 25, uh, I lose another thumb in a regrettable thumb wall accident, all right? But now medical science has progressed to the stage where they can sew my thumb back on, right? So they can sew my thumb back on, but they haven't restored my hand. All they've done is given me back four fingers instead of five, right? To restore something means to put it back to how it was originally created. I need, I need all five for my hand to be restored, right? So many of us, friends, we operate in emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. Our tanks are at minus five, constantly and so or minus 10 and so we think that operating at zero or operating at three or five is a restoration no friends you're created to operate at 100 from minus five to zero or minus five to minus three is not a restoration it's simply sewing on your fourth finger but you're still missing to restore something is to put it back see when i drink that still quiet pure fresh water it restores my soul it puts my soul back to how it was created to be in communion with God. Too many of us don't drink the still refreshing water because we still have the mindset that there's danger lurking there. We think like sheep on our own, not sheep following a shepherd. Being led beside still waters speaks of me trusting the one who is leading me. See, I can face any situation because I trust the one who is leading me. When Jesus is baptized, he's led into the desert where he fasts 40 days and he's still able to resisted the temptation of the devil if jesus had just wandered into the desert i think it would be a different story altogether jesus is able to fast 40 days and 40 nights and still resist the devil because he trusts the one who led him see friends so many of us struggle with trust if jesus had just wandered in if i just wander down to still quiet waters i can't drink them because there's danger lurking there there's hidden dangers lurking in that deep water i can't trust it but if I'm led there, then I can do it. Then I can drink from it and it can restore my soul and it can restore my soul back to what it was created to be in communion with God. Here's your takeaway. Am I being led by a shepherd or do I simply wander down to the water to drink? You see, friends, at this time, so many of us don't want to be led by a shepherd, but we do want quiet, still waters. We want our souls restored. But because we're not being led by a shepherd, we can't drink the still quiet waters and so we drink the muddy waters with all the impurity uh, in it and it, it takes us from a minus five to a three and we think to ourselves that's good enough no friends you weren't created to be at a three or a five or a ten you were created to be at a hundred you were created to be at a hundred your soul to be restored means to be put back to how you were created in communion with god friends it's not good enough for us to simply be with jesus we have to become like him we have to do the things that jesus did 
And in order for us to do that, we need to live how Jesus lived, following a shepherd. When I follow Jesus, I lack no good thing. Because he leads me into provision and I keep reminding myself that sheep have different needs to kings. It keeps me humble and it keeps me secure. When I follow a shepherd, I'm made to lie down in green pastures that are neither overloaded nor undisciplined, but they're full of order and margin. And I'm led beside still waters where I can drink, where I can drink deep and my soul is restored, put back to how it was created. Friends, I want to pray for us today. My call and my prayer is simple. I want to call all of us to follow Jesus. Whether you've been here for a part of this family for 35, 40 years, whether this is the first time you are engaging with us, uh, you might not have any context of Christianity. I want to lead us in the same prayer. Essentially what it means to be a Christian is that I put my trust in Jesus to forgive me of my sins and put me in a relationship with God. And then I follow him as a shepherd. And I want to pray a prayer. Uh, I want to pray with us. I, I'd love for you to pray with me. Um, and recommit ourselves, whether again, whether it's for the 10,000th time or the first time. Um, what I'm asking for us today is that we would commit to following Jesus as a sheep follows a shepherd. And so would you pray with me, please? Father God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth to make a way for me to be with you and to show me a way to live. Please forgive me for not following you with all of my heart, all of my mind and all of my strength, all of my time. Today, I commit to doing that, to following you as a sheep, follows a shepherd. Please would you teach me your ways and plant me in your community, the church. I'm yours and you are mine. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.